First of all, I love you guys. Love you too. And it's, it's hard um, to watch so many people you love um, deal with just life. Um, and I, I just want you to know this morning that I'm not immune to that. Uh, I'm with you on that. And uh, it's hard to watch sometimes. But I, I believe, um, and I hope you do with me, that um, just because it's hard right now doesn't mean God is taking his hand off you. That's right. Doesn't mean God is taking his eyes off of you. Uh, like we talked about last week, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. It was the darkest point in the night before Jesus ever came walking up to that boat. Sometimes it just is what it is. Sometimes there are storms. I go through storms. You go through storms. I, I, I see waves. You see waves. But the reality of it is, man, our God is big enough and strong enough. And he's not going to let you drown. Amen. Amen. I believe that. Believe that this and I just want you to know that that uh, I'm with you and I'm for you. But if God is to you, He's not left you. This morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4. If you have your Bible, you can flip open to that. Um, and we're going to start a new series that sounds a whole lot like the old series um, called Follow Me. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Um, maybe you're not excited about that. Uh, I'll just be honest. Um, if there was a theme to this past year, I don't know if you know this, we had a birthday last week. It's <coughs> um, a new day for us. Um, if there was a theme for last year, it would be discipleship, that we would be followers of Jesus. And if there was like a second piece to that, it's that we would get on board with what God is already willing to do. And this year, I, last week we talked about Going forward, what, what should we look like? Going forward, what should it be like? Going forward into this new year uh, as a church, who should we be? And I just want you to know, it's still the same thing. <laughs> um, last year, uh, I stood up here and I preached so many messages about following Jesus. And uh, this week, as I was praying about it and thinking it, God was like, no, I have more. <laughs> I fought it this week, I'll be honest. There's other things in my brain that I'm like, man, that would be great to teach. That would be great to talk about. But I, I just want you to know, um, there's a reason this Bible talks about this so much. There's a reason that we've been camped out on this idea for probably six months now. I looked um, in the book that I kind of study in, I looked in the first page of it, it's from May this year, and it was a series about following Jesus. I feel like if I just took the whole book, I could probably turn it into a real book because it's just a whole book about what it would look like if we really followed Jesus. But the truth of it is, and the reality of it is, if we all got this, God would quit talking about it. That's right. Amen? There's a, a difference in quote unquote being saved and following Jesus. And I feel like so many of us, and even, even me, we. we, we get saved earlier in life, we say this prayer earlier in life, and we just at that moment have decided, okay, that means we're following Jesus. And obviously for the past few months, and, and even this morning, I mean, that's just not true for all of us. So all you know this morning, this is not a, a message purely about coming to get saved. I wish we could just take that word out of the vocabulary. At no point in time in the Bible do you see Jesus walk up to somebody and say, hey, would it be nice for you not to go to hell? 
Because it was never about not going to hell. It was Jesus or no Jesus. Amen. And the truth of it is, the church today is crippled because we became content with this idea that if we said this prayer, we don't have to do anything, and we don't have to get involved, and we don't have to see God work, and we don't have to even really listen. We just have to come and sit until the rapture happens, or until we die, and that's going to be good enough. And that is not what God called us to. God called us into something greater. God called us into a relationship with Him. God called us into not be people that purely just read the Bible as a textbook. That's ridiculous. And not people who just say prayers, saying, hey God, if you would do this and do this and do this and check this list, that would be great. Also ridiculous. He called us to be people that had access to the living God. People that could call out and talk to God and God could talk back to us. People that could learn about this God who spoke the stars into existence. Not with a mentality that we're going to answer some trivia test one day so we could know Him and be known by Him. And I just want to say this morning, there's a big difference and I said some prayer and I'm not going to hell and I'm following Jesus. And this morning I want you to know that God is continuing to press this into us because if not going to hell is good enough for you, man, I really, really, really question your involvement with the family of God. And I really, really, really question if you've ever seen the Savior that we're talking about. Because He is beautiful and glorious and amazing and everything. He's our breath. He's our hope. He's our life. He's our heartbeat. He is really everything. And this morning, God is inviting you in to see that. And He's doing that in Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, we find Jesus just at the beginning of the chapter actually starting His ministry. But at this point in time, four chapters into the book, Jesus hasn't started ministering that's an amazing thing to me. Because to me, God, the creator of the stars, you know, like he popped up on the planet and he's coloring as a baby messages about how he's going down the cross. That's how it works in my brain. We see him as he's 12 years old preaching in the temple. That's something I believe that Jesus did. Probably more than the one little snapshot we get. But in this culture, to be a rabbi, you had to be 30 years old. It's amazing. Jesus waited and followed the rules of the people so that the people would have every opportunity to hear his message. And here we see in Matthew 4, at the beginning of this, Jesus goes out into the wilderness. He says he was taken there, told to go there by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led him out into the Wilderness, and while he was there, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. It's hard for me to fast 40 minutes, so I don't get this. But Jesus didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. I can't imagine. I'll be completely honest. I don't know how long you can go without food, but I feel like it's pretty close to the day for 40 days. In the wilderness, the table, the cell phones. No nothing. Some sticks, rocks, dirt, maybe a couple animals, and Jesus. And in, in that time, for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus didn't eat. He wasn't like one of those cheating fast people where you're like, oh, no, I'll fast for a meal or <laughs> nothing. And you can imagine over 40 days how the, the flesh would become weak. Anything, any fuel for the body for 40 days. You're, you're not really just running and skipping and hopping and jumping. That's not the deal for 40 days. And 40 days, the flesh will become weak. And then at this moment, when Jesus looks like he's at his sweetest, when his 
maybe bones are showing just a little bit and hasn't had anything to eat for 40 days and probably stomach can't even growl anymore because it's not big enough to do that. Satan shows up. Not just some guy or something or some force or, you know, this bad decision, but Satan himself shows up on the scene with Jesus, the Son of God, and he tries to tempt him three times. He tried to tempt him three times because the first time and the second time didn't work, obviously. <laughs> Comes up, he's like, hey, Jesus, do this thing. Jesus answers back with scripture. Hey, turn these rocks into bread. No harm there, right? No harm, no foul. I'm going to see it. You're going to see it. But use your God power. Do it. Use it for your own interest. Use it for your own good. You're hungry. It's not a big deal. Just me and you. And Jesus. There's no man doesn't live on bread alone. It's not just about eating. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I'm not going to use my God powers for me. I'm here to use them for somebody else, actually. I have to tempt them again. Even offers him the world, which is weird because Satan can't actually do that. He didn't make it, didn't create it, doesn't own it, it's not his. He says, man, just do this. And the world is yours. He says, no. Three times Satan comes, three times Jesus resists. Satan himself. After this encounter, the third time, Satan knows, man, I can't beat this guy. I can't. Do this. I'm not powerful enough or big enough. Man, do slash Satan still truth today, right? Satan like, please. That's what happens when he's around Jesus. And in that moment, after all this happened, Jesus was ready to start his ministry. At this moment, Jesus decides, man, it's, it's time. I'm coming for you, world. I'm coming <laughs> to do what I've been here to do, and he, he starts his ministry, and he preaches this awesome message, it's a message John the Baptist has been preaching for some time now, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is a hand, kingdom of heaven is here, and that amazing message for Jesus just to out of the gate preach, repent, the kingdom is here, why didn't Jesus come saying, hey, um, I'm God, Letting you know if you go to church, that'd be great. You come saying, hey, I'm God. If you just brought me some more worship songs, that'd be amazing. I'd be super thrilled with that. He, he comes and the message he's preaching, the message on his lips is repent. It's not really a popular message in the church these days because we think that we got it because we come and sit here. We think that we got it because we, you know, we sing the songs and think we got it because whatever. But the truth of it is, Jesus is preaching this message to the most religious society that's ever lived on the planet. These are actually morally decent people, most of them. He's preaching the same message to the Pharisees, to religious rulers as he is, the people on the bottom of the totem pole. He's teaching this message to a group of people that know the Bible, the Old Testament, far better than you or I would ever hope to, to have it um, in their brains and in their hearts. People that give to the temple uh, regularly, people that show up to the temple regularly. He's preaching this message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here, repent for God is here. And the truth of it is this morning, that's still a really good message. Some of us have gotten this moment where we're like, man, we're religious. If you come to church, where your lives are filled with sin and they're disgusting to God. You're not my power. You are not my target. You are not my vision. You are not my heart. You are not my love. But I come to church. 
And I feel like God could just walk up in the room this morning and say, repent, right? Yeah. Repent, because other stuff's more important than me. Oh, but I don't cuss. Great. Repent, because I'm not your first love anymore. Oh, but I come to church. Well, that's great. Repent, because you don't, you don't dream about me. You don't go to bed thinking about me. You don't wake up thinking about me. You never think of my grace. You never think of my cross. You think of what I've done. That's what we need to repent for. We don't need to repent because we're bad people. We need to repent because God is not our heart anymore. And it breaks my heart. We sing songs like, you're all to us. We don't mean a word of it. I didn't plan on saying any of that. I just say that to say, man, it's not a game. It's not about saying some salvation prayer. It's about loving, being loved by God, the creator of the universe who came and died for you this morning. And so we need to stop there. This isn't revelation to Church of Laodicea. This is because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth because you're neither hot or cold, you're sick with me. I'd rather you just pick cold. If you don't love me, just don't love me. If you're going to love me, really love me. You lost your first love, and because of that, you need to repent and you turn back. Because you, you, you did have that moment where you saw me, you did have that moment where you recognized me, you did have that moment where you saw that, man, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, that I was enough. You had that moment, and then, then what happened to you? You said a prayer, and then you suddenly got over the grace? said a prayer and suddenly the cross was not as impressive as it was before. You said, you said a prayer now that you don't have to go to hell anymore. I'm just not as good as I used to be. It makes me want to throw up. It's not about church attendance. It's not about singing songs. And if that's all we're here for, we can leave. She just comes preaching this message for this religious... People, I don't know if I'm going to get around this this morning. He says, repent. <coughs> and repent because Jesus is here. I can't, I can't even leave this without praying. Because some of you, man, you heard that and it hit me. Because you know, that's not me. I don't. I, I know God, I'm saved, I'm not going to hell, it's great. But that hit me and you're like, but I'm not in love. And this morning, I'm, I'm not going to make you stand up, but I'd love for us to, if that's you, let's just pray. Father God, this morning, if that's me, if I've lost my love for you. Father God, this morning, if that's, if that's me, if, I, if I'm content with just this idea that I'm not going to hell, Father God, if that's me, if I'm content with just coming and sitting in a room and being religious, my prayer is this morning that you will break everything in me that tells me that. Because the reality of it is, sitting in that chair will never be enough when you call me to know you. Singing these songs will never be enough when you call me to, to be with you. 
sit in that chair will never be enough when the God who loves me and died for me came down here for me and I can't even step toward you? God, this morning, everything in me that has become more impressive, everything in me that's become more valuable, everything in me that's become this, this shiny object in me, that I pray that you will tear those idols down and cast them into the sea because, God, I want you. This morning, God, I repent of that. Because if you showed up today, God, which you could, I would want to be thrilled by not depressed that I might miss my favorite TV show. Or that I may not get to experience the time. But this morning, we want you. We're sorry that we didn't have you. And everyone step back into that. And remind us of how impressive the cross and your grace really are. They're still good today, and you're still good today. God, we love you. Amen. I knew that I wasn't going to get past that if you didn't just stop there. Um, my prayer is that some of you break that with me. But this morning, uh, this is where we step into this story. Jesus starts his ministry and Matthew 4, and he starts with this simple message, the same message that John the Baptist, the one who made straight the path of the Lord, has been preaching. And in this moment, he identified himself as the Messiah that was talked about in Isaiah. It says that in 18, he was walking along the Sea of Galilee that Jesus here is starting his ministry. He's starting his ministry in an area that Jesus actually does and performs most of his ministry around the sea. Last week we talked about this boat, and this boat was where? In the Sea of Galilee. There's another boat where a storm came and blew up on the disciples and Jesus, and it was also in the Sea of Galilee. You see him preach many, many times in the wilderness, right around the Sea of Galilee. Most of Jesus' ministry took place in these moments in these days, and we see that he starts his ministry in the same place that most of it would happen. He was walking along the Sea of Galilee. It says he saw two brothers. These two brothers were Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. So Jesus is walking along the sea, and he comes up on two men. Uh, I would be hard-pressed to think that these were the only two men around the Sea of Galilee that day in, in this fishing village. But for some reason, he takes note of these two men, this Peter and this Andrew. It says these men were casting a net into the sea since they were fishermen. It's very theologically sound thing about them. Ever love how stuff's written in the Bible? <laughs> they're casting a net into the sea because they're fishermen. That's great. Um, just in case we didn't know what fishermen was, and that he was writing this, he was clearing that up. I mean, that's what fishermen do. They catch fish. And these men were just doing what they do probably every day. What they had done probably almost every day since they, they, they were old enough to throw a net into the sea. This was their business. This was not just some little mom and pop fish shop that Andrew and Peter had going on here. They would have had a boat. They would have had nets, not just one net, but many nets. They would have probably had supplies on this boat and, and a lot of stuff. Their home actually could have been made on this boat if they wanted it to be because these boats were equipped to not just kind of go out into the little pond, but to, to be sturdy and strong boats. This was the Sea of Galilee. 
It was known for storms. It was known for uh, for these things that would pop up and be just kind of overwhelming. It was a dangerous place sometimes on the Sea of Galilee, and they were just floating around in some little dinghy boat out there, and this was a ship. And they were doing what they had known, what their livelihood had been. They were doing what not was a hobby for them, but more of a career for them. And they were casting a net into the sea because that's what they did. That's who they were. And in this moment, in 19, we see Jesus walk up on the situation. He says, these words, follow me. He walks up, these men are doing what they do every single day, what they've done every single day, having a, what they thought was a very ordinary day, and into this very ordinary day, something very extraordinary happened. Jesus walks up in this moment where they're doing what they do, and he says, hey, follow me. I love how Jesus started the conversation and got to know them and wanted to know their interests and their hobbies and, and all these things. Maybe you make friends with them for a couple of years and then secretly evangelize in the middle of the night in a dream and just hope that they wake up and get it next morning. Not only did it all. It's our evangelism plan, not necessarily Jesus. Um, but he just walks up and he starts this conversation with him and he says, Follow me. Such a weird way to start a conversation. If you don't believe me, go to Walmart and buy later on the day. Um, if they follow you, don't get involved. <laughs> It'd be weird, right? We know that in John chapter 1, Jesus has met these two men before, if you read uh, later on, maybe today. John chapter 1, before Jesus started his ministry, he was walking uh, in, in a similar area, and John the Baptist called out to his disciples that are around, he says, Behold the Lamb of God. One of these disciples that just happened to be standing around that day was Andrew, Peter's brother. He was a disciple of John the Baptist, maybe just a few days before that. And he leaves John in this moment, and then the other disciple, we don't get his name, apparently he didn't stick around very long. And he follows Jesus. Hey, who are you? What's going on? He said you were the Lamb of God. He said you were the anointing one. He said you were the Messiah. Is that true? I don't want to come see where you stay. And went and spent some time with Jesus that day. He actually introduced his brother Peter to Jesus that day. And that's when Jesus changes his name to Peter. This is the second encounter we see these two men have. They spent very little minimal time with Jesus, and Jesus went off into the wilderness and did his thing. And when he started his ministry, he came back and he walked on the shore and sees these guys that he had met maybe just a few days, maybe well, just more than forty, but a few weeks earlier. But he calls out to this boat and he says, "Follow me." This is probably the most amazing invitation. That these two men could ever get. Because just a few weeks ago, John the Baptist declared this very man the Lamb of God, the Messiah. So if you can imagine this morning, Jesus just walking up to your car as you go out there and, and saying to you, follow me, that feeling you would hopefully get, something similar to the feeling you then had in that moment. What? Look in your passenger seat. Realize there's nobody there. Who, 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 who are you talking to? There's no way you're talking to me. That's what I would be thinking if I was in the boat because I am a fisherman. I'm not disciple material. 
These men were not men who had been educated in, in the Jewish law. These are men who have grown up spending their life throwing nets into the sea and hauling in fish. These are not men who are clean cut and, and properly dressed. These are rugged fishermen with you know sunburns and maybe tattoos if they had those then with, with, with beards and, and maybe not the best hygiene in the world. These are men who spend a lot of their time around the fish, probably don't smell really awesome. These are those men. These are men who have ever heard the term cussing like a sailor may have also been them because they had to come from somewhere, right? And these are those men. These are not little fire boys. These are fisher men. So you'd have to think, man, this would be shocking when Jesus walked up in, into your space and he's like, yeah, I see that you smell funny. We can take care of that. And then I see that you look a little rugged. We can take care of some of that. But I am talking to you. I'm saying, follow me. They would have known immediately what this means to be asked by a rabbi, a teacher, to follow them, even though they probably would never really experience it. See, discipleship, disciples were not a new thing in, in this culture, in this day. All the rabbis, all the teachers had disciples. John the Baptist even had disciples. Andrew was one of those, apparently. But you didn't just get to be a disciple by walking up to the best teacher in the, in the land and being like, you know what? I really like your teaching. It sounds great. Um, got a cool haircut. Can I come be part of your club? But you had to be chosen. You had to be asked. You did not ask. And what rabbis in the day would do is they would go and they would find the most promising students of the law. They would find the most moldable students of the law, the ones who maybe would make the best name for themselves, maybe would look the best on paper, the ones who had the best resume. They would find those guys, the ones that could make their name more famous. They would find those guys, and then they would pick them out. They would appoint them. They would be like, hey, uh, I, I want you. I saw your score on that last uh, rabbi test. It was really great. I want you to come be part of my club. And in every one of those cases, every Pharisee, every Sadducee, they would look over these men. These men would never, ever get this call from a, from a religious leader. This would be so weird. So you can imagine the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God, walking up to the boat, saying, follow me. That would be such a weird moment. So Jesus walks up to these men in this boat, and he says these words, follow me. In that moment, they weren't thinking, oh man, I wish you would pick somebody else. I really just wanted to be good enough. I just wanted to skim by, I wanted to get under the radar. I just wanted to, I just wanted to go about fishing, I just wanted to throw my net and see, and if I could not go to hell at the end of the day, that'd be great, I'm going to try to be good enough, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to leave everything. That would never occur. You, you, you mean, you mean the, the Savior, the chosen instrument of God to save His people now has come up to my boat? I, I'm Peter. Nobody even takes a second look at me. You got the wrong guy. But Jesus to Peter and Andrew says, you can follow me. You, you can come. In that moment, you get the way of what Jesus is saying to these men. Because he's not just saying, hey, I'm trying to amass crowds. He picks 12, right? He's not just saying, hey, you know what? Uh, everybody come hang out. He's saying, you're, you're mine. I'm choosing you. I'm picking you. I want you to 
to come with me. I, I see you in the boat. I smell you in the boat. And I want you to come with me. In that moment, what Jesus is saying is what every other rabbi is saying to every other student they ever pick. He's saying, I trust you. I trust you. I want you. But man, I'm just a fisherman. That's hard. Trust you. Man, I, I look rough. I'm trusting you. And I, I'm, I'm not. I'm going to go church him. That's fine. I trust you. He just walks into this boat and he says, Follow me. I'm picking you. He told them. And he says, And I will make you fish for people. And the translation says, I'll make you fishers. And it's probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible. But only you look at the language that he, he uses here. He looks at these guys and says, I, I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fish for people. If you will follow me, I will make you fish for people. I'll make you fishers of men. Obviously what Jesus is talking about here is not, I'm going to let you stand up on the roofs and throw books down in the marketplace and try to reel people in. Like, that's not what he's talking about. It's not talking about running through Jerusalem with nets and hurting up people. <laughs> But what Jesus is saying is the very thing that makes you a good fisherman is the thing that is going to allow me to use you. I love this because what Jesus didn't say was, hey, follow me, and then we're going to teach you a bunch of stuff, and then uh, we're going to learn a bunch of songs, and then you're going to go to church a whole bunch, and you're going to take a bath, and put on a suit with a tie, because that's the only way church happens. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hand you some bobbles and guitar. It's going to be an amazing thing. And then, and then you'll be ready to follow me. There's actually no stipulations on what Jesus said. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I'm, I'm going to use the same thing. I'm just going to change the target. Because where we come to this is we hear follow me, and then we go, okay, but uh, I'll do that, but I'm going to need a couple years. Because I, I've got I've to clean up my life, I've got to clean up my act, I've got to change everything about me, I've got to change my clothes, I've got to go to church, I've got to learn the whole Bible, I've memorized it, because I'm not doing anything until I've memorized every single word on every single page, and then I've got to know all the songs, and then when I'm really good and really religious, and you know, kind of at the end of life, if I, if I can make it in time, then Jesus, then I'll follow you. Amen? Yep. You don't have to amen that, because I know that that's what we do. I'm good with it, if you don't. But Jesus looks at these men, and he says, hey, I will take you where you are today, and I will use you. He wasn't interested in coming in and redrawing everything and relaying out everything and tearing the house down and building a new house because that takes too much time. He didn't really care much about that. Not that Jesus will not clean us up because he will. And not that Jesus will not let us know the Bible because he will. And not that Jesus will not use us when we you know, come into this place and do these things. Not that Jesus is against those things. Just that he's not saying to these men, hey, if you wait 47 more years, you can be useful to me. He says to these men, hey, I get that you're fishermen, and the very thing that makes you fishermen will make you good for what I'm doing. 
See, the truth and reality of it is, this morning, Jesus has made us all that way, right? When he calls us, we are already equipped to do something. These men were fishermen, and Jesus is like, I'm good with that. Fishermen know the value of hard work, and they're okay with staying up late. That's what I can use. Amen? They would fish all night sometimes, catch nothing, and Jesus would say, hey, go back out there. And throw the net on the other side. You just have the side wrong. Throw the net on the other side. We already checked that side. No, it's fine. Just throw the net on the other side, and you'll haul them in. They didn't say, I've been up all night. I'm so tired. I can't do it. Blah, 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 blah. There was no excuses. Fishermen were used to that. So they went back out, and they would throw the net over. And then there it was, this hole that would basically sink their boat. You know why Jesus needed that? Because Jesus was going to die, he was going to be buried, he was going to be resurrected, and then he was going to leave. And these men, these fishermen, who were okay with being a little bit stubborn, and okay with being a little bit hard-headed, and okay with long knots, and okay with very little reward, that's the kind of people he needed to start the church. That's right. So he didn't say, Peter and Andrew, if you guys will come off that boat, and then let me put you some new clothes on and let me take a bath and we're going to trim up that beard a little bit and we're going to educate you. He didn't say any of that. He said, I can use you right now. What he's saying to us this morning to do that is, guess what? Jesus can use you right now. You don't have to have any excuses anymore. You don't have to get anywhere anymore. You don't have to do anything anymore. You don't have to be anything different anymore. You don't have to educate yourself anymore. God can use you right now. Because he didn't call you so that he could change you, and then he could use you. He called you so that he could use you and change others. That's right. Amen? Amen. So he looks at these guys, Andrew and Peter, and he says, hey, guess what? Follow me. That's it. And I will use you. I'm going to use you right where you are with right what you know. Follow me, and I will use you to be fishers of men. That's what he says. And here's what they do. Amazing. In 20. Immediately. I love that word. Follow school of it. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. In that moment, they heard this call. And, and, and it says, immediately, they left everything. It wasn't just a net. It wasn't like a little 25 cent Walmart net here. They left the net, they left the boat, they left the supplies, they left whoever was there working for them, they left the fish, they left their lifestyle, they left their livelihood, they left their job, they left their employer, they left everything in one moment immediately and they followed him. I love this because this is so not us, right? I was full of not us today. Because see, when we say, okay, Jesus, I'll, I'll follow you, what we mean is in like 27 years, Jesus, when I've lived my life and like everything's good and I've reached this moment where I feel like I've accomplished everything I need to accomplish, then Jesus, then I will follow you, right? Or Jesus, what, what do you mean, excuse me, Jesus, what do you mean by follow you? Where are we going? Because I will follow you if we're going somewhere uncomfortable with but if you're going somewhere else, I'm going to just sit here in my boat and I'll you just come back around when you're done. Right? Jesus, you hit me up in, in 27 years. Hit me up then, and then we'll see about it. Until then, I'm going to sit here in the boat. I'm going to throw my net. I'm going to just do the thing. Because I'm only going to follow you when I'm comfortable with it. 
I'm only going to follow you when I'm good with it. I'm only going to follow you when it's somewhere I want to go. I'm only going to follow you when it allows me to keep all my stuff. Jesus, I'll follow you if you get in the boat with me. You can point. As long as we're in the sea, we're good. That's how we follow Jesus. Amen? But here in this, in this it says immediately, without stipulation, without, without trying to make a bargain with Jesus or some plea with Jesus, says immediately they left all their stuff and they followed Him. See, the truth of it is, this is really what following Jesus looks like. Just in a couple verses this morning. Jesus comes, Jesus calls, we leave. That's the deal. Jesus came to these men with no stipulations. There was no, hey, if you do this, or if you change this, or if you get this, or if you can say this, or if you repeat after me, or you can come to this place, then you can follow me. There was none of that. And when Jesus asked us to come follow him, when that invitation is so free, the response also has to be just as free. See, the truth is, without stipulations, Jesus steps in the room and he says, follow me. That's called grace. That's the best invitation you could ever get because the Messiah himself is walking up into your space, walking up next to your boat, and he's saying, you know what? I choose you. Amen? I believe in you. I think you can do it. I have belief in you. I think that you are what I need. I think you are exactly who I want, and I'm picking you out this morning so you can follow me. And he doesn't give us time to say, hey, what if I do this, or I'll do this first. Or He doesn't give us time to do that, to make the bargain, because there is no bargain. Jesus sees, he's, he's, not, he's not confused this morning about who you are. They were in a boat throwing a net. He's pretty sure they were fishermen. <laughs> Just want you to know, Jesus is not confused this morning about who you are. When he called you, he didn't make a mistake. Oh, but Jesus didn't know that I did all these things. Oh, but Jesus didn't know that I had a bad temper or a bad mouth. Jesus didn't know that I... Because you were standing in whatever your boat looked like, throwing out whatever your net looked like, and he wasn't confused about that. Then at the same moment, he still walked up and he said, Follow me. Oh, I've got to be your country. Oh, that's not my country. He said, You can follow me without stipulation this, this morning. I'm not, I'm not putting disclaimer on it. Because I'll use exactly who you are, where you are, to do what I need. I get when you're a mess. I'm going to use your mess. Right? right? There's people in this church that have experienced that, right? You ever met Rick? He's not here, so I'll pick on him. <laughs> He's like the biggest dude I know. With the most tattoos of anybody I know. Biggest ear holes. <laughs> God wasn't confused about what any of that stuff meant or what any of that looked like. He walked up and said, Follow me. He was like, Okay. And then I got a text message, what, Monday? Something Monday? Monday. He's like, Hey, yeah, I just love to see the work with Jesus. I'm a produce manager. So God's got the produce section coming. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. You're fishermen. I'll make you fishers of men. I'll use you where you are to accomplish what I have. 
to follow me, I'll be with you. <laughs> that's the bargain. That's the agreement, right? And this morning, the invitation actually is still the same. Oh, but I'm not a fisherman. Who cares? What are you? Where are you? That's what God has you. There's a reason He has you there. You know how many people you come in contact with every single day at work? And you're like, I work at home. That's great. Go to Walmart. <laughs> There's a reason you're off. It's true. I've got it. It's great. Go to the park. The reason you're off. There's somebody somewhere that got us put in the ear for a reason. God walks up in your space and says, follow me. I'm asking you. I'm inviting you. I'm saying you can. I'm saying you get a shot. I'm saying you can come with me. I'm saying you can be my friend. I'm saying you can spend time with me. I'm saying we can hang out. I'm saying I will take you where you are, and I will not take 42 years to change you into something I can use. I can use you today exactly where you are to change the lives of people around you for the name of Jesus. That's what he invites us into. And when he does that, we have the opportunity to say, yes, okay, I'll do that. Or we have the opportunity to say no. But there is no in-between. See, the truth of it is, if these men would have said, not Jesus, I'll come later. I've got to catch you. i got to bring these fish in. Jesus would have walked away from the boat because there's more fishermen. That's right. Mm-hmm. Amen? Mm-hmm. It's not about you. You're not the only one. Jesus invited you in. He's bringing you in. He wants you and he loves you. But if you're not going to do it, he'll find somebody who will. So you have the opportunity to say, you know what, immediately, I'll leave everything. I'll get away from everything. I'll run away from everything. I'll give you, I'm leaving my boat. I'm leaving my stuff, and I'm coming with you. Or you have the opportunity to say no. But hold on a minute is enough. When I'm 27 is enough. When I get my life together is enough. When I clean up my act is enough. When I clean up my language is enough. There's only one yes, and that's immediately. So I just want you to know this morning, if you're stuck in that place of, hey Jesus, I'm coming later, you said no. If you're stuck in that place of, I'll give you my life when I'm ready from it, you, you said no. I just want you to know, if you're like, you know what Jesus, I'll get involved in what you're doing later on, you said no. You said the prayer was enough, the, the, the not going to hell was good enough, and I'm good now, and you can just leave me alone, Jesus. <laughs> Or you can say yes. And it says immediately. They left their boat. They left their nets and followed him. Immediately. This morning, I know that that wasn't the super most awesome pet talk in the world. But you didn't need pet talk. Get enough pet talks. That's all we're sitting on there. I believe what Jesus is saying to you individually and to us as a church is follow me or don't follow me. But you come in here and sit by yourself with the same group of people every week, it does not follow me. Because that chair beside you, I put you in somebody's life so they're about to be in that chair. You don't bring anybody because you don't ask. Or we don't ask enough. 
happens to ask, well, let me pray. It's not hard. Amen? Oh, but I sing the song. That's great. What's Monday look like? What do we do on Monday? There's a blessing and a curse to one day a week, two day a week church. The blessing is, man, if we will use it, God can do amazing things. Because you know who's not at church on Sunday nights? Your church is like us, the people who don't go to church. The opportunity there. Monday, the opportunity there. It's so crazy. I've been praying. I'll be honest. I'm praying for favor with people. I have people come to me and ask me about church about three times a week. And I heard this thing. Yeah. Here's part of it. You come. It's awesome. You can serve up and do things. You got a spot for me. God's trying to use me. But I just work at the thing. I don't know enough. You know that you know him? Seems pretty good to me. The truth of it is, you make excuses all day long on why you can't follow Jesus, but the truth is, when he said, follow me, you mean you could. And every excuse is just enough. I'm saying that again, because I want it to stand because it's not. Every excuse is enough. Going back to that person's note, you only want to know. Go tell that person, Jesus loves him. No. Whatever excuse is still enough. Go pray for that person. No. Whatever excuse is still enough. Bless that person how the day is. No. Whatever excuse is still enough. Right? Right. And this morning, God's just sitting down on us and saying, you know what? This is year number three, guys. You've been singing songs for three years. And it still looks the same in You've been hearing messages for three years. It still looks relatively the same in here. Bought a new lot. Been praying prayers for three years. It still looks pretty much the same in here. And we got. Really good refreshments. The truth is, church, until we want to get involved with what God wants to do, God cannot and will not do it. And this morning, God is saying to you and to us, when you get involved, when is it going to be a big deal that they're lost? When is it going to be a big deal that there are broken people out there? When is it going to be a big enough deal that people are going to hell? And they don't have to. You're going to get involved. Because the truth of it is, man, if we're not, we said no. God wants to blow it up in here every week. God wants to change people. He wants to save people every week. I believe that. You know why he's not? Because they're all still at home. This morning, God is saying to us, follow me. We're making excuses and follow me. 
you have the opportunity this morning to say, man, that's the best thing I've ever heard. Are you, are you saying that I, Jesus, could bring somebody to this place or even at home lead somebody to you that would come to know you and then be in heaven because I was part of that puzzle? Yeah, he is. Are you saying that I, Jesus, could tell somebody that was hurting about you and you would hope up in their soul? Are you saying that I could be part of that puzzle? Yes. Are you saying today that Jesus, there could be a line full of people in heaven that I told the story of Jesus to, and that was something that you allowed me to be part of? Yes. Are you saying that God, that, that we could be part of maybe a revival that doesn't just bring our city back to you, or our nation back to you? Yes, I'm saying that. Are you saying that God, we could be part of something here today that lots of fire in the church, not the church, but the church? That puts a passion for you in their heart again, that sees you and makes them love you once again and walk towards you once again, that would change the, the shape of our religion into a relationship across the world? Yeah, I mean, I believe in you. That's why I called you. That's why you're here this morning. And I don't need you to believe in me. I need you to believe in me. Amen? That's what God's saying this morning. Don't make disciples. I don't need you to believe in me. I said you could. I need you to believe in me. Go in the world. The same songs get out of here. Go in the world. I don't need you to believe in me. I said you could, I need you to believe in me.